Hello from Toronto, and thank you for joining the March 2021 IPSASB Meeting Highlights podcast. This podcast will cover some of the agenda items discussed at the recent IPSASB meeting. I'm Ross Smith, Program and Technical Director of the International Public Sector Accounting Standards Board, IPSASB. Joining me from the UK is IPSASB Chair Ian Carruthers. Ian, what's your overall assessment of the IPSASB's first meeting of 2021? Could you share some insights on the recent meeting, which marks our fourth virtual meeting and one year since our last physical meeting? Thanks, Ross. Yes, as you say, um, this is now a year since we last met physically, and I think um, it's been quite a year for for all of us. I think it's been a tough one um, on both a personal and professional uh, level, and I'd certainly like just to say thank you for uh, the way in which the board members, technical advisors, observers, and and indeed in particular the staff have uh, worked tremendously hard to keep our activities on the road. And I think, you know, that has actually been rewarded with a, um, you know, a huge amount of uh, success, I would say. I'm very proud of what we achieved as a board um, during 2020, notwithstanding all those challenges. And, you know, just, uh, you know, if you just look at the outputs that we we, we achieved, um, you know, particularly looking back at the December meeting with the preliminary approvals for the um, uh, ED 76, 77, 78, we'd already approved ED 79. We also managed to approve the um, uh, second exposure draft on leases, requests for information, and there's a lot more. Um, so I think that's a fantastic achievement, but it's interesting in talking to board members, I think very much a sense that uh, you do lose um, some of the colour and the richness in our discussions in the virtual environment. Um, and, you know, the, that's, I'm, I'm afraid, unavoidable because uh, although we have introduced uh, check-in meetings, uh, you know, at, at a midpoint between the main meetings and we've sort of spread the sessions out longer, um, it's still not the same as actually having everybody together in the same place for four days. And all that goes with that in terms of the discussions over coffees and lunches and so on, which actually enable you to address so many of the issues that, that arise. But I think nevertheless, um, you know, we, we have achieved a lot. And I think, you know, we, we managed to achieve a lot in um, this meeting. Um, it really, having approved and, and finally cleared those um, exposure drafts on measurements in our February check-in meeting. Um, really, we moved into a, a, a new phase. Um, you know, we started to look at the responses uh, to the uh, revenue and transfer expenses exposure drafts, ED 70, 71, 72. Um, we added a new program to our work uh, our work plan, retirement uh, benefit plans. Um, we took forward our uh, debates and discussions on natural resources, looking to move forward to the consultation paper scheduled uh, for approval in September this year. And extremely importantly, we had the first discussions on the projects that we will propose in our uh, mid-period uh, work programme review um, and uh, that those likely to be published, those proposals likely to be published um, in, uh, in July. So, you know, very, very rich discussions, really moving us forward into the next phase. 
Um, so overall, uh, pleased with, with what we managed to achieve, notwithstanding those restrictions because of the, the virtual environment. Yeah, thank you, Ian. And yeah, the pandemic definitely has had a significant impact on people and organizations around the world. And of course, the IPSASB's uh, not immune to that either. Um, it's, it's really thrown us for a loop in how we operate. Uh, from a staff perspective, I think the impact of the pandemic has really forced us to be innovative and nimble in how we operate the meetings and continue to deliver on our projects and initiatives. And I can honestly say before we had our first virtual meeting, um, I would have never predicted that four meetings in and one year into the pandemic that we would really be able to achieve what we've achieved. It's really been uh, quite a revelation and I think a testament to the volunteer board members, technical advisors, observers, and staff to be able to innovatively take on this new way of working and continue to drive the work program forward. I think um, it really is an achievement. Uh, moving on, Ian, uh, the IPSASB did agree to add a new project to address a gap in the IPSAS literature at this meeting. Could you share some highlights on the IS-26 accounting and reporting by retirement benefit plans and why this is being undertaken now? Yes, sure, Ross. So um, in our strategy under the uh, theme B alignment with IFRS, um, we agreed that where we had gaps in staffing resources, um, that we would pick up um, some limited scope um, uh, projects where we felt we could pick up an area where there was relevant IFRS guidance that would help us fill a gap in our literature. And we did that first uh, with um, IFRS 5, which uh, we've now um, looked at from the public sector perspective in, in terms of assets available for sale and discontinued operations. And that's now out for comment as ED 79. So um, with the completion of those um, exposure drafts, uh, 76 through 79, uh, those are out on a six month comment period. And we do have some staff resource therefore to take another project off the shelf um, in terms of um, uh, a limited scope alignment. And that was, that was really where the idea behind the uh, IS-26 and using that, because um, that area is not covered directly by one of our standards. Um, you know, it, you can, use uh, IS-26 through the hierarchy um, in IPSAS 3, but um, in practice, and the UN uh, Joint Staff Pension Plan have, have been trying to do this over the last few years, in practice there are problems, there are conflicts, there are choices, and so that was why we decided at this stage that we would pick up this project. Um, IS-26, as I mentioned, there are choices and so on, it's quite an old standard, um, and so there have been problems in implementation and practice where people have had to add guidance, fill in gaps and so on. And um, what we're going to do is draw on that experience from the jurisdictions around the world uh, that have done that UN system as well with their joint staff pension plan. And so that's why we're saying this is IS-26 adapted for the public sector. But we think that will actually in fill in an important gap because Although there are perhaps a smaller number of those multi-employer pension plans, experience has shown that the liabilities there, they, they tend to be unfunded, actually are significant. And therefore, if you're looking at a consolidated balance sheet for government, it's really important 
um, if you want to use that balance sheet to focus on sustainability going forwards, that you have those what are real obligations included in your, your numbers. So we think this is actually a really important opportunity over the next two years to add um, that guidance to our suite and, and fill that existing gap. Yeah, thanks, Ian, uh, for that very useful overview of this new project and uh, why it's important to do it and the benefits of doing it and adding it to the literature. Um, Ian, the board also had some important discussions related to the revenue project. Could you speak a little bit about where we are on the project, the process for dealing with comments uh, we received in uh, developing the final revenue guidance that will come out of these exposure drafts? Yeah, thanks, Ross. So. Um... These, uh, the three exposure drafts that fit together, ED70 and 71 on revenue and ED72 transfer expenses um, are absolutely fundamental in terms of uh, public sector financial reporting. And we responded to the challenges from the pandemic by extending the comment periods on those documents uh, through uh, into the autumn um, last year. And I think that, um, was uh, certainly helped. Um, what was a record num number of responses for us? Uh, um, more than 200 across those three exposure drafts. And individually, each of them got uh, 65 uh, for across ED71, 72, 73 responses to ED70. So each of those was a record. And then that huge number across uh, the three pieces of guidance. And I think we were really pleased that that came from a really big diversity of um, jurisdictions. So it wasn't just Europe or Australasia, it was Africa, a lot of responses from Latin America, and really great engagement from the international organisations, uh, the European Commission, and over a dozen responses from the UN system. Um, so really uh, fantastic um, uh, response, and I think that was a there was a lot of engagement as well uh, that went on before that. Um, so that really demonstrated how the level of interest um, that now that now gives us a, a, a huge challenge in terms of uh, synthesizing and, and kind of uh, understanding what our constituents uh, have said. I think overall, actually, there was um, a lot of, of real support for our proposals. Um, I think, though, you know, inevitably there are some quite tricky issues in that. And one of the things that people did say to us was, you haven't really communicated as well as you might have done. Um, revenue with performance obligations, revenue without performance obligations didn't really resonate. People didn't know where they should be in the guidance. And actually, when you take a step back, the majority of transactions probably would fall into ED71 um, rather than ED70. And therefore, um, that was really the area that we started off in the discussions, both with the board, but also with our consultative advisory group back in December. And an early decision or early decisions coming out of that were that when we finalise the guidance, we should flip the order. So the guidance on uh, revenue without performance obligations, that standard based on, on that ED should come first before um, the, uh, the guidance on 
uh, revenue with performance obligations. Uh, and, and there's a greater logic to that. And we will select titles that give people a better idea about um, what's actually, uh, you know, what types of revenue are, are actually um, covered by those standards. What we tried to do in the March meeting was focus on the revenue side. So we will pick up at our uh, mid-period check-in the transfer expenses side, but we focused on the key principles for uh, the revenue accounting. And in particular, we took the decision that we that binding arrangements and that concept will be central to the guidance going forwards. That certainly got support, but requests for clarification uh, around that. Um, linked to that being clear that a binding arrangement must have one or more present obligations. Um, and in particular, what does linked to that, what does enforceability mean of those present obligations? That's a really key concept. Uh, clearly different amongst different types of transactions between different jurisdictions. So uh, we need to, to get clearer and crisper on that. Then um, the area about outflows, more discussions on how that operates in practice at our June meeting. Uh, but I think um, the view, you know, the view we got to was that where you do have a binding arrangement that's enforceable, um, there will be a liability or deferred revenue um, uh, to the extent that you haven't satisfied the uh, requirements of present obligations. So you can recognize income as those present obligations are satisfied. And then the importance of being clear about performance obligations as a subset of present obligations. What's the, what, what are the additional um, features of performance uh, obligations and, and what does that mean potentially for uh, disclosure because I think one of the comments that came in from our constituents on disclosure was that uh, in proposing to implement the requirements of um, IFRS 15 across both ED70 and ED71 actually that increased the disclosure a lot in, in the transactions uh, currently covered by IPSIS 23 and was that really justified what was the reason for that so we have some thinking to do and the board has certainly already agreed that we should actually try and take a risk-based approach uh, to differentiate between um, uh, present obligations and that more specific subset of performance obligations. So I think, you know, a lot of good discussions. We've got the key principles established going forwards. As I said, we'll reflect on what those mean then in terms of the flip side guidance transfer expenses and the board looked at the issues and how staff are proposing to progress those through uh, as we develop the um, uh, drafts of the final standards uh, throughout 2021. So um, good progress some quite tricky discussions, in particular, a lot of contention and some strongly held views on whether this should eventually be two, two standards or one standard. Um, but we got a lot of agreement on what we should have in the standard or standards going forward. So um, that will take us through into our discussions, both in, in the mid-period check-in and formally in the June meeting. So overall, I think, you know, I was pleased with progress. Certainly it showed we've got quite a lot of work to do. Lots of really good comments from our stakeholders, which will help us uh, really polish up the guidance. But I think good support overall for the direction that we set out in Exposure Draft 70 and 71. 
Yeah, thanks, Ian, for that really uh, nice summary of some of those recent discussions on revenue. And no doubt there's uh, a lot more to do in that space and a lot of thinking for the board to undertake. And, um, you know, some of those tough discussions sometimes re yield uh, the best principles out of them. So I think it's uh, a challenge for us going forward that the board's up for. So uh, uh, from that perspective, I did want to thank you as, again for the, the full readout and summary of uh, some of the more uh, important discussions at the recent March 2021 meeting. And just for our listeners on the podcast today, if you'd like um, more information, uh, keep your eye out for the March 2021 IPSASB e-news, which will be coming out shortly. Um, the IPSASB second meeting of 2021 will be held virtually in June. However, we do have a one-day virtual check-in at the end of April uh, where we'll, we'll follow up on a couple of items um, that we've been working on for a while. Um, all meeting highlights podcasts are available in the meeting section of the IPSASB website, and listeners can find us on iTunes by searching for IFAC Accountancy Podcast. Listeners can also find us on social media by looking at our IPSASB LinkedIn account, our Twitter account, or on YouTube. Thanks for listening and joining us today for the podcast. Take care.